Hello and welcome to Euphoria. This is the final episode of our MSI coverage. Today I am joined by the wonderful Cadrell and Ender. I am, of course, Dracos. Uh, we're available as always on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And today we're going to have a quick interview with Mac about the Mad Lions and everything that they've accomplished. We're going to talk about our favorite moments from MSI, looking forward to Worlds 2021, maybe hitting on some juicy off-season roster rumors and some uh, very sad confirmed things that are happening in the off-season. Ooh, drama. But first, we can talk about the finals, our impressions thereof. But even before that, gentlemen, it's Monday morning. Most of Mm -hmm. us rolled out of bed to get here. It's at-home euphoria production. How are you living? How's life? I want to go to Ender first. Ender, it's been a month since we've had you on. Yeah, you've grown. Well, you're such a you're such a you're a, you're a, you're a man now, Ender. Since we've last seen you, what's uh, what's going on in your world? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I'm just initially offended that you called Cadrell wonderful, and I'm just Ender. You know, nothing nothing else attached to it. <laughs> I, I said uh, incredible Ender and or incredible Cadrell and Ender. Like I said, you were both included under that act. Oh, okay. okay I, I'll, dude. I'll take it. I feel like you're you're kind of weaseling your way into that one, but I'll I'll accept that for now. It okay. All right. We'll get you more accolades later. Okay. We'll, thank you, we'll thank just we'll you. shower you with accolades. Cadrell. Yeah. You alive? You good? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. No, I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, <laughs> We're all awake. Clearly. This morning was uh, it was uh, it was a weird one because I set an alarm, but then it didn't go off. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? My phone was completely bugged, but I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. For context, this is one of those mornings where um, we all kind of woke up on the wrong side of the bed. But despite that, we are very enthusiastic. We're ready to talk about some um, banging League of Legends. And yesterday was, in fact. An incredible day of League of Legends. God bless. Best of five final actually going to mm-hmm. five games. Now, ultimately, the fifth game, a bit anticlimactic, which was kind of the sad thing about the day, was that we had four really crazy games, and then the fifth game was like, all right, RNG. Also, spoilers. If you're watching this podcast and you don't expect spoilers, you're kind of now. a clown. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there you go. That's what you get. Um, yeah, RNG. Just kind of smacked him around in the last game. So, like, let's let's talk a little bit about the final. What were you guys' impressions? Why why ultimately do you think that RNG just came out on top over Den One? Um, it was a crazy back and forth series. I think RNG they interesting interesting enough. Wei and Gala played Udir and Kaisa all five games, which was kind of crazy to me. Uh, I think that some of Den One's drafts were a little bit too weird to me, especially the fifth game draft when you're playing like Jace Farris and do hard engage Nocturne Leona. Uh, Gragas and stuff like this with the Kaisa, it really didn't make much sense to me because they only really had a winning early game and at best that only goes on until like Nocturne is like level 6. So <laughs> it just sucks from then onwards because they first they, they first would take the Virus Tom, which is good, but I think they should have picked like a tank maybe and something like a Scion or an Orn and then just some kind of control mage that can build towards Zonyas and I think their team fights must be better, but yeah, full single target damage AD champs against Hard Engage with Poke is um, yeah, not that great I think. Yeah, I'd also say like one of the the big talking points coming in was people thought there was gonna be like a giant mid gap between Showmaker and Cryon. And we did see Showmaker like come out of the lane in, in a couple of the games with an advantage, but it was not as big as like I thought it was gonna be. And like in game one, right, Cryon was able to get Lucian into a collie, and you're you're obviously gonna have a pretty good time early on in that matchup. But I thought that like Cryon was able to like hold his own and then like even in the Nocturne game influence the rest of the map and really shut down what was supposed to be probably the biggest advantage on the map for Dom One. I mean, yeah, I think going in, like what we saw, and this is obviously a bit hyperbolic, but it really felt to me like Canyon and Showmaker were like the two really reliable points for Dan One. I felt like everyone else had had their moments over the course of the tournament where they kind of just uh, 
kind of just griefed it to be completely honest so when we came in and canyon wasn't that gigantic mid gap i was very surprised for Danwan, but i was pleasantly surprised by crying i think you're completely on the money there ender you're right like the lucian game was solid the nocturne game was solid and while showmaker i think had a better performance in a number of games it was never like it was never life-changing you know what i mean it's never it was never yeah. like it was never crazy game defining mm-hmm. enough that it was like ultimately like the sole reason that they won which i think as an outsider looking in i kind of expected there to be one or two games where um you know there was just a big enough mid gap that showmaker just completely and totally took over the game which never really felt 100 percent like what happened yeah and i think that the the first game which um which was played i think it was a really smart draft from uh, royal navy with a first pick dilution and you expect that to go to shahu 10 out of 10 times because he had 100 percent win rate on it throughout the whole year on like 11 or 12 games but then they gave it to Kryan because as soon as they blind picked the gregas top uh, or counter pick sign with the gregas top when lucian's picked there's really nothing that showmaker can pick that was like oriana bans nocturne victor syndra lucian was already taken away rennington was banned leeson zoe everything was banned away already so there was no real counter pick there so i really liked that they gave Kryan basically the strongest mid on the patch while also denying Showmaker any form of counterpick. And talked about like picks for in general, but for Showmaker, like Showmaker's champion pool was wacky. Like not just oh, yeah. like today, but the day before, like he played the, the Yone versus Humanoid. Um, he was always playing like Akali and then the Xerath comes out, which was like was very interesting. Like I don't think we've seen that in ages. Uh, I, I think Medic tweeted out like Medic the last tweeted, time. Like 2014 the last or so. 2014 yeah. Zhao Wei Zhao at Worlds last time we saw it in international play. And and I was watching the game with Freak and I'm like, ah, I seem to remember this matchup like in the old days when, when Xerath was co- came into play and it's like, oh, you counter Oriana by starting W level 1, but then Oriana's learned that you start E level 1 and then that's exactly what they did and the matchup yeah. hasn't really changed in six years <laughs> yeah there's always these like just from just from pro play like the last three or four years of scrims where it's like azir meta corky meta oriana the counters to these champs are zerat and, v- and belkos but no one actually can play them to the point where it feels like a counter like the one tricks playing these champs into mages always has like a, the push or has a winning lane but people tried to pull it off in scrims over the last few years, and I've never seen anyone succeed yet. I think Caps was pretty decent at them, but barring that, there already wasn't many players who could play it. Um, so all these one-tricks were dominating Hilo, and every year people would try to get the info from the one-tricks to try and play these matchups, but no one ever did it. But, I mean, there was like eight mid-bands and picks in total, so Showmaker just pulled it out, and I think he was pretty good. Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, when I look at Zerath as a champion, I'm like... That's just a champion that's old, right? You just like look at that kit and you're like, uh huh, completely immobile mid mage. That's my jam. Give me the brands. <laughs> give me the give me the Zerus. You know, like don't gank me, jungler, please. I just do damage. That's all I have. You know, that's my entire kit or range in the case of Zerath. So I was Zerath versus Udir. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it's actually such an old, <laughs> the literal kind of champion that was around when Zerath was out. The only reason he's safe, they have to just run at him. You know, um, I I wonder if you if you went and looked at like the comps in every like final game of like MSI finals or world finals, I wonder if the winning team had the oldest comp of all time. Because you have Grogus, Udir, mm-hmm. Nocturne, Leona, all super old champions. And then Kaisa's like Kaisa's like the youngest champion on that roster. But like Udir's from season negative 10 or something i don't know but he's he's winning msi it's it's true you're actually completely right oh man oh my god i'm so ancient do you ever just like look back and realize how i'm so old also imagine looking at that that's three junglers i was watching uh 
I was watching the 2015 MSI finals, the one uh, which also went to five games yeah. with SKT versus EDG. EDG. Paul yep. picked Morgana into LeBlanc. Dude, those were the times, man. You had like LeBlanc, Nunu, mid jungle. Yeah. Versus, and it was uh, versus uh, 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 Evelyn. Clue loves Evelyn. Versus game Morgana, five, Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, those times were crazy. <laughs> History was absolutely wild. Yeah, this is this is really weird. I'm I'm feeling actually just ancient thinking about this now because I was uh-huh. talking last night about like oh 10 year high school anniversary. I'm an old man now, and I was like I've hit my 10 year league anniversary a long time ago. Like Udyr's Udyr's like 10 years old, right? Like that's actually nutty. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy, dude. Like, <laughs> and also in that series, Nar was played top lane, so that boy's been around. He's been around. 2015 finals he was there and he's been in this msi as well six years down the line he's still popping off here's here's my question if you can for summer split for the, to make summer split interesting right before we talk about mad lines mad lines mm-hmm. would be pretty pretty fun before if you make summer split interesting you get to remove three champs from the meta completely what three champs do you just remove they, they either they're nerfed out of existence they're deleted it doesn't matter in this thought experiment these three champions are just unplayable in pro now how do you make the meta interesting what three champions do you remove oh i That's, think i've got it I think okay. I've got it. You go first. It's all the best supports. Nautilus, uh, Leona, and then what's the third one that we take off? I, I don't want to take away Thresh. I think we leave Thresh I don't know if you there. can do that, though. Because if you take away, like, Nautilus, Leona, Rel, you still have, like, Thresh, yeah. Alistar, Gragas, uh, Gragas mm. Pumpkench. But I think if we saw, like, more Gragas set, I think that's more interesting than set, Leona, yeah. Nautilus. Yeah, yeah. I, like, For there's sure. still a lot of them, but yeah. I wonder, I wonder if priorities would shift if you didn't have like the most op of the like melee engage options i think the easy answer is just remove for an next split remove morgana udir and uh, rumble like now what it's just a volleyball meta meta i guess i mean they're gonna find weird junglers that power and nidalee yeah like as also jungles very good. changed you know 15 plus yeah. second timers we got all the the <clears throat> spice going in true you can you can change top lane with like nar jace leeson but, oh. then but the thing is i'm not i'm not super bored I, like i i know like we just saw an entire tournament of morgana rumble udir but we didn't see morgana rumble at all during the regular season so like yeah. i'm not like at the point where i want to delete those champions like yeah nerf them like i do want to see more options like maybe i'm a little bit bored of udir by now after six months of it but mm-hmm. uh I, i'm not like completely over rumble yet I'm, yeah udir's a must yeah i would say that for me Udyr and Gnar are on the list, despite the Gnar that's like, despite the fact that Gnar is definitely not super high prio, like he just continues to get picked. And I'm just, for Udyr, obviously we've just seen it for too long, but for me, for Gnar, it's like, I just want champions in the game that don't have a rage bar mechanic for their engage. Like the amount of times that we're like, oh, the fight's going to start. Oh, never mind. It's mini Gnar. I guess everyone's going to go back for the setup and we're going to do it all one more time. Like, Woo, Nar, Do you think like, Nar's prio would rise if Silas could steal ults from his own teammates? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. How cool would that be? That would be so ults. sick. <laughs> How cool would it be if Silas could steal ults from his own teammates, right? However, it puts that ult on cooldown. I mean, it's so it's, worth it for Nar, right? Like, Nar's just the OP synergy because Nar's ult cooldown is like 10 seconds. It's like, just, just he doesn't have an ult cooldown. The second he goes mini, you just steal his ult. But I love, I like Nar. I think Nar is fun to watch in fights, you know, when they just jump in and do like a Nar into the wall. That's a really hype moment, I think, though. Not, yeah. it's not, I think it's better than like watching, uh, I don't know, just a Maokai flash W someone. 
Yeah, but I'd rather like it. Or even Orn is more exciting to me than Nar. Maybe it's just because I've watched so much really? Nar. Orn's yeah. more exciting Orn is to you pretty than Nar. Sweet. No, I think he, Orn is sweet. He calls I, the horn. He like announces the fight. He like goes in and knocks people up. He does. He yeah, Cajol. Okay, what you have to think about it is guys. like as a as a no no. You have to think about it like as a play by play caster. Like, is it easier to be like, here comes the horn, you know, scream it out, and also Bro. Nar's <laughs> ultimate has the worst name ever, Nar. How do you call that in a fight? I don't know. Nar is the wolf. Nar, Nar, Nar. Nar, It's a gnarly <laughs> Nar from Nar. Nice. Yeah. That's a. Uh, oh my God. All right. We've gotten, we've gotten sufficiently off topic. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching this episode, you can hit us up on Twitter if you think that there are any three particular champions that deleting them from the game changes the meta completely. Removing Zoe. Halo Blades from the game. Zoe. Maybe. Yumi. Well, Malzahar. Don't delete what? my Zoe. Don't do that. What, you really want to delete Malzahar, Cage? Are you that embarrassed? You just want to pretend like it, people can't. He just wants Faker to win a Worlds again, you know? <laughs> Scars. <laughs> I'm just scarred, man. It's been a long couple of years. It's been rough out here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a dark time for Cage. <clears throat> falling on hard yeah. time, the former Malzahar. Every time, ev- everywhere I go, I see its face. <laughs> <laughs> it's also your sub notification, so it's your own fault. Anyway, uh, moving on. Now we can talk about the EU side of this whole ordeal. And I think we can talk about Mad Lions versus Dan Wankia. This was another fantastic series. Um, highly recommend mm-hmm. going back and watching it up until, honestly, the final two games. It felt very, very winnable for Mad. It felt very close. It felt very tight. And I'm just, what are your guys' kind of initial impressions coming out of this? What's your read on what happened here for Mad? What went wrong for Mad? What went right for Dan Wan um, in this best of five? Um, well, I think that... Similar to the draft <clears throat> on the yesterday's games in Game 5, where I think Damwon misplayed the draft, I think Mad Lions actually misplayed the Game 5 draft, giving them like Jace, Zoe, Rumble. Didn't like that too much, um, because Showmaker is really good at it, and counts picking Silas into Zoe is not a counter, really. <clears throat> but, I mean, Mad Lions run match points, right? So, um, things are going right for them. I think <clears throat> it was more so the team fights that were working for them, like Wukong, Oriana, uh, Kai'Sa, and then Damwon drafting like Jace Varus again for no reason. Um... And then having the Volley Bear, which I think was a massive pick for Mad Lions. I was surprised they didn't go for it in the final game as well, because it felt like an X-Factor champion where yeah. Elioia could just get his team ahead while Canyon was farming. Uh, but I think the biggest thing in the series was Showmaker was playing like Victor and uh, and stuff like this. And eventually, when, and Jace, when he goes put on things like Yone and Silas, he looks like just a completely different player in Mad Lions. Just didn't have the, the, the gas in the tank to be able to deal with it. Yeah, it seemed like, yeah, it's sort of like when you're casting it, the idea was like okay if showmaker is on a champion that is not just like a backline you know put out some damage casually while your team has to do all the work like then they're gonna win if he's on like the silas and and can find the the engage and whatnot it was just it was it was a very strange series because I, I really do feel like games one through three were completely different to four and five like even game one that dom won one every single lane from mad lines got a solo kill like humanoid yeah. killed showmaker armor um, killed cons like this is not supposed to happen and mm-hmm. and it's still like dom one walking out of the laning phase like a, a gold lead and whatnot um uh because they were like we're playing their lanes better for the most part they just all end and lost um but it was it was just like a, a very strange series because even like the bot lane ghost and barrel were completely inting it like i i don't know what happened in that one game where they like they even got canyon to gank they got like a, a double kill and then all of a sudden they're still losing the 2v2 uh against the the brahm zaya is like barrel and ghost like went in one by one um mm. but it was like it was such a it was such a shock because Carzy was so fed in, in these early games too like it was, it was a huge series for him 
um, because like they just kept punishing the the bot lane mistakes. But in games four and five, Con Canyon Showmaker, they didn't care how bad their bot lane was. They were going to get the win at all costs. Yeah, yeah. And the the last thing I would just say as well uh, is yeah, bot lane was a huge role in this game. But if you just look at it, just a little fun fact: in Damon's wins, the last game was twenty three minutes long. This the fourth game that they won was twenty two minutes long. Mad Lions' wins were thirty five and thirty two minutes long. And then the first game was 25 minutes long. So you can see yep. the win timers that Damwon had against Matt were absolutely nuts. Yeah. And I think when you look back at the series, like, definitely, if you were only to watch the first three games for some reason, like, you might be like, wow, this is a really close matchup. But then when you watch game four and five, you're like, oh, wait, there's like, there's a reason Damwon are the favorites, yeah. right? And like, it was absolute dominant. Because even in the fifth game, right, the second barrel wasn't playing friggin' Nautilus anymore, right? Like, they actually... His, he instantly stopped completely dying all the time. You know, like him and Ghost actually had a solid game in game five. And of course, that was propped up by their, their jungler and mid laner. But this was, I think, a very weird series for Danwakia. I think that the fact that their bot lane was just griefing it and kind of has been griefing it this entire tournament, to be completely honest, better in the mm -hmm. finals for sure. But like the fact that it has been so consistently rough for them is just so out of character. For these players because i thought that like last year just like the damn one laners across the board were so consistent and obviously these guys didn't change you know it's only con who changed and so just like i mean i'm frankly i'm like hell yeah kaiser karzi that's great but then i look at this and i'm like all right as good as Ka karzi and kaiser are like what are you doing barrel because these aren't the only people that have 2v2 killed you in lane like he is he has been dying a lot so I, this was a really really odd series to me overall but I think my biggest takeaway outside of the Danwon bot lane struggling and, in turn, mad bot lane being awesome um, is that Victor's trash, dude. Holy sh holy crap. Like, Victor, <laughs> blue Victor, OP. blue side might be OP. Victor is real, real bad, you know? Because, um, again, in this series, Victor felt super, super underwhelming, no matter who was playing it, to be completely honest. And then in the last series, in our finals, it got banned once in game one and then just never showed up again. Nobody wanted to play Victor. God bless. Mm -hmm. Rise came out of nowhere. You know, you had the Nocturne mids. You had a lot of the more creative picks. And um, thank God. Because that was... Watching Victor in that series was so sad. Because you had some of these games where it was, like, really, really, really hype. You know, you had the Zoe versus Yone game. You had, like... You had these crazy mid lane matchups. And then you had a lot of... Uh, one mid laner plays something interesting. And the other mid laner plays Victor. And that was... Yeah. Silas Victor, not a fun matchup to not a fun matchup to watch. <laughs> Didn't seem like a useful pick for humanoid, um, and it's one of those champions that I'm I'm glad it kind of fell out of meta for the finals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's it just kind of sits there and is your wave clear late game insurance, but it never really can force too much. So, yeah, no, it never really was a fan of the champ. I think things like Orion are actually a little bit more proactive because they have CC mm -hmm. in their kits and mobility, whereas Victor's stun is very easily dodged, and there's no real. Um, press a button and start a fight like a shockwave in a sense yeah there's a lot of like if they're running into you you have a lot of power and if you're able to keep space kite back then it's it's pretty good but when you're playing against silas volibear leeson you can't really do that very easily <laughs> yeah gravity field feels really broken when they have to run through it it feels not so broken when they dash through it you know it's like eh, true yeah. well th there goes my cc i'll guys i'll cancel your channels shirts. Volibear, Leeson, whatever channels you got in your kit, I will, I will, I will one cancel him with this alt. Yeah, it's just absolutely useless. Yeah. Jesus, underwhelming. Um, next up, though, we've always talked about what we felt like was the difference in in the final four for Mad for Dan One. But let's see what Mad ha uh, what Mac had to say. We kept this interview brief. The it was a very obviously stressful 
uh, day and stressful time for Mad Lions. But let's uh, let's check in with what Matt had to say about the series, about the tournament as a whole. Mac, obviously uh, an absolute battle today. Uh, 3-2 series that unfortunately didn't just quite go your way. Um, and of course, just stepping off the stage and in the immediacy of the moment, I just kind of want to uh, give you a moment, talk me through... Um, what you're thinking, feeling, following that series, but also as you reflect on this incredible accomplishment uh, for Mad Lions, pushing uh, the world champions to to a fifth game in a semifinal at an international tournament. Uh, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Um, it's hard. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm really proud of, of all of the players and what we've done, but I think uh, this one was kind of close until it wasn't. And I think in, in game four, we had like a, a really big lead. Like we had a draft that we were comfortable with and then we made two like really big errors and the game fell out of our hands. But I think that game was was favorable for us mm -hmm. up until the Herald fight and then the subsequent TP on bot lane. So uh, in a way, it's it's even more heartbreaking, you know, because it's close. Right. Uh, because it was it was it was possible, you know, it was it was kind of within our grasp. So uh, that's that sucks. <laughs> but um, that's uh that's the life that we're committed to right you yeah know? Uh, i mean I, look the beauty of competition right like the the highs are very high and the lows are very low and uh you know regardless of everything i still think we'd put a pretty good show on yeah um, i'm very happy for that we live breathe and bleed for uh this kind of stuff and uh again sometimes it doesn't go our way but i think i can you know kind of affirm a lot of what you're saying from the spectator side that game four Oh man, you know, where we all sitting there going, it's happening, it's possible, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna bring this home. Unfortunately, again, a couple misplays, uh, and it and it goes the other way, but you still had a shot in game five. I'm just kind of curious uh, for you and the squad, kind of what were those conversations between game four, game five, knowing that you could still step back out onto the stage uh and, and get that one last stab at it? Mm, I think. I always try to make sure that if we're, you know, two wins up, I always remind the players that like it's a best of one from now and anything can happen mm. and that the the onus is on your opponents to then shake things up and make something happen, right? Um and I think uh Damon did a really, really good job of that. Um I've been this is actually the second time I've faced Coma, not directly, <laughs> okay. but previously on Splice in 2019. And I thought that they adapted so unbelievably well to pinch us in that series, like thinking back on it. And I think they did a really fantastic job today as well. Uh, I think I have some uh, some big regrets about drafts four and five. Like I think in game four, if we'd banned Silas, it would have been way better. In game five, we were considering uh, picking our mid laner on two, three, um, because we, we thought that they might, but we weren't sure. And in the end, we decided against it. So uh, yeah, that's definitely some regrets there for sure. Well, people always talk about, you know, the the learnings, you know, coming away from international tournaments. But I think most of the time it's hyper focused on on the five individuals that are out there on the rift. But uh, again, for you as a coach, I mean, uh, what does this international experience do for you where, you know, you're not just testing your medal in, in more best of five series than you maybe get, uh, you know, regionally, but also against, you know, philosophies, coaching philosophies mm -hmm. from different regions? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually. I mean, I think uh, it's been really good to see how like actually you know it's it's completely different when you you know vod review another team and we try a lot to learn from eastern teams uh, and say this is what they do in the mid game this is what they do in the late game this is how they approach objective setup stuff like this it's completely different to play against it mm -hmm. completely different so i think that's been a really good experience for us because i think there are a lot of things that dam one and rng do um that have been punishing us that we've that have forced us to learn um that hasn't been happening as consistently in europe so i'm really grateful for that um on a more personal note i think this is been 
a really good vindication for me because I was really dissatisfied with how I adapted during Worlds and how I coped with the pressure and the stress and the grind during Worlds. And I think we've done a much better job this time around. So I'm happy with my own personal performance as well, which is nice. I want to follow along that that, that through line of, of Worlds to now uh, because it was a big story for, for the entire organization uh, in terms of having made it but kind of, uh, you know, falling out much sooner than you would have hoped at Worlds. I spoke to Karzi at the very beginning of the event before a single game was played about, you know, what the goals were, were overall. Um, for him, less focused on results, more about making that statement that we can compete. So I guess I return now to the 3-2 to the loss today. And while you aren't going to the finals necessarily, do you feel like Mad Lions made that statement at this event? I think so. I think today... Um... You know, I think you can you can definitely say that for it, like we brought out some stuff that was unconventional. I think the second game we won, I think we had a really, really hard winning draft. I think Damwon underestimated a couple of our key picks, like the Wukong, for example, on Armut. Um, but overall, I think at this tournament, our win record against Asian teams is actually pretty good. You know, we won three against PSG, two against Damwon, one against RNG. That RNG That's game, yeah. a pretty, I would say, positive, not positive, but it's a, it's a, acceptable <laughs> overall record against uh, Eastern teams. And uh, yeah, I think today um, it's really hard now, but once we get some distance from it, looking back on it, I think um, we'll be able to say that we gave a performance that we can be proud of. And I hope that our fans can be proud of as well. And that's what matters to us in the I end. I think the most definitely can. Uh, just one final thing before I let you go. From here, it's back to the LEC. We're diving straight into summer, looking for that world's qualification. Uh, is Mad Lions the new kings of Europe? Is this is this the beginning of, of, of the next uh, EU dynasty? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. I know that's it is. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, all of us are very keenly aware of the fact that if you only win one title, then you're just a flash in the pan. Mm. You know? You're just a, a one-hit wonder, and I don't want us to be a one-hit wonder. So we're going to do everything in our power to recreate the, the good things that we've had this year. The atmosphere and the work ethic and the environment um, and the openness that our players have displayed, as well as you know the confidence and having fun. And all of the things that I think culturally make Mad Lions quite a special team to work with. I think if we can repeat those things, then for sure we'll be there in the finals again. Well, the personality of the Mad Lions is infectious, to say the least. Again, you guys put on such an incredible show for us here at this tournament. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me here. And I can't wait to see you at the next international competition. Thank you very much. Right from here, back to Dracos and Cadre. Thank you so much, Dash. And especially thank you to Mac for doing a Losers interview. It's, it's never easy, especially at the end of a tournament run, especially when you were so close yet so far away. But... um honestly that just made me smile that made me really happy for mad lions you know what i mean like the development from worlds to now and i think we've said this before but i think we should talk about it again should european fans be proud of the accomplishments of mad lions at msi that is my question to both of you gentlemen i think so (laughs) i think so for sure Uh, i actually think mac was a little bit too hard on himself or the team at least saying that Beating Damon two times in PSG and RNG. Basically, every team in tournament was acceptable. Going to five games versus Damon was acceptable. If we don't win next split, then we're just another fish in the pan, right? I think he was a bit too harsh on himself. I think they've achieved a lot so far. Did he say fish in the pan? Uh, he did say that, fish in the pan. He did say that, yeah. <laughs> flash in the pan. He said flash. Does it flash? It's yeah. flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought it was a fish in the pan. <laughs> Wait, it's flash in the pan? How can you get a flash in the pan? What? That it's, like, it's, like a, it's, like, it's like a spark. I thought it was I mean? like fish in the sea. Then why wouldn't mm. he just say fish in just the say sea? Say fish in the sea. Because the sea is big. 
And the pan's small. Yeah, but um, then if you're a fish in a pan, you're like the main thing. Oh, you're the main man. course, yeah, but it depends baby. Depends how big the pan and the fish are, because there's ten teams, right? There's ten oh, fishes. Oh, okay, no. it's a flash saying, Just for the record, Cage, I'm not trying to fight you on this or your logic. I'm just because we're gonna get really derailed if What's we go too deep down this hole. All I'll say is like you're gonna have to take a little L here for sure. This okay, okay. saying is flash in the pan, but I really uh, like fish in the pan, and we should use it more next split. That's all I'll I, say. I thought it was fish in the pan. Sorry, <laughs> oh I apologize. God. Okay, I misheard. You don't have to apologize, Cage. I'm just giving you shit, bro. You don't have to apologize. Screw you. <laughs> Read it. Redo it. All right. So Cage said clearly said flash in the pan. Good yeah. on him. Um. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I can understand that concern, right? Because people look at Alliance as a flash in the pan, right? People look at Alliance as kind of like this smudge on an otherwise G2 fanatic set of victories, right? I guess the reason I always laugh at like Alliance 2014 is that the most significant thing that came out of that team is getting kaboomed. Like, no one remembers any other part of Alliance in the history of EU. We just remember getting kaboomed. And I could be wrong. Like, maybe there are some diehard Alliance fans that are still out there. They're like, how can you not remember this? these incredible games where they like, blah, 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 did X and Y. Like, all I remember is the kabooming. I don't know about you guys. Like, the kabooming, yeah. it's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> the kabooming's rough. The good thing is, Mad Lions, they didn't get kaboomed. They were mm -hmm. number mm -hmm. three at the tournament. Uh, I give them that. Obviously, tied technically with PSG, but they had the head-to-head -head with PSG. And if you look at like overall <laughs> records too, they were they were ahead there. And uh, yeah, I feel like they have they have a lot to be proud of too. Especially for me, I think um, Karzi and Kaiser were two players that during the regular season and, and even parts of the playoffs too seemed like very inconsistent. And I think if you'd look at like a weak point on the team, you would kind of point to them after having like a really great 2020. Um, and I think that they completely redeemed themselves at their tournament. So if anything, like the whole team obviously should feel very happy with the performance they were able to put up. But I think Karzi and Kaiser in particular are uh, going to get a lot of confidence off of a, a showing like this at an inter international mm -hmm. event. Yeah, especially given the fact that in the finals, uh, Carsey and Kaiser got 2v2 killed every single game in, those, in that five-game series. So definitely a massive turnaround for them in this uh, in this MSI where they're actually like the main driving force behind the team, I feel like. Yeah, and I think, again, like I, people are going to talk about it a lot, but just last year it was just a story of inconsistency and crap performances for MAD internationally. And there were a lot of factors that led to that, but ultimately like the fact that they all showed up and had really fantastic individual moments is such an incredible thing to watch. And I, I honestly think that like, Max looking very back at like these specific things in draft and like looking at these drafts, I can see what he said, you know, maybe we should have picked mid lane earlier here. Maybe we should have done X and Y. But I think that ultimately, regardless of where Mad went out here, whether it was semifinals or whether it was finals, like, or maybe even if they won that thing, like I'm still, I'm happy with this level of performance. I don't think it, Mad needed to do anything more to like really impress me, to really show me that they are a world-class team, like a worthy rep for EU. You know, I think that there's always a lot of chatter anytime any team goes that isn't G2 in our case. Um, would probably be the same in LCK if a team that wasn't Damwon went, right? Um, where it's like, is this really the best rep that we could have sent? But I, I think Mad killed it. And I hope that at least quells a lot of the um, the discussion around, oh, is this the best team we could have sent? Because I think, I think Mad absolutely killed it. And I think that they were probably the best representative we could have sent. Do they have the highest ceiling? I don't know. But from what they showed, they are... Damn sure an international competitor. This was El Yoya's first split ever. What is that man ceiling? That's what yes. I want to know. That's yes. ridiculous. Just can't say ridiculous. I can't say that anymore because I just every time I hop onto any podcast at all, I just start telling people how great El Yoya's story is. So thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> yes, El Yoya. It's such a good story. Every time I say that he's the most successful European rookie, rookie split ever, people bring up other names that are also very good. Febovin and Huni are also very good names. But 
but Oyoga is up there. He is That's in top three for sure. Yeah. Because like even if even if you have someone that you think had a better rookie split, the fact that like he's with those are good names to be in company with. Like if you think about the the glory days of the EULCS, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think El Yoya is uh, man's cracked. It's especially, be good. <clears throat> especially the difficulty I feel like of the region when you're joining, right? It's like the G two yeah. domination era, right? MSI champions, world semis, worlds finals, all back to back, you know pretty much dominating Europe for the last two years. And then Fnatic G2 and then Rogue was on the rise, but Mad Lion just like, nope. On paper, coming into this split, none of us ever would have expected this. Because, like, realistic, realistically, when we look at it, we, we didn't, I don't think any of us really predicted Fnatic was going to bomb kind of completely in the way that they did. Um, but, like, there were question marks around Fnatic. But, like, we, I, I don't know about you guys, I was pretty confident that you know, G2 is the team to look at. Fnatic, mm-hmm. we'll see where they go, but I expected them to be somewhere there. And then Mad and Rogue were kind of distant to that, and I would have put Rogue ahead of Mad. And we even saw Rogue be ahead of Mad for most of the regular season, right? So this is like, this to me is one of the craziest seasons. This is certainly like, this is a, um, this is like a true underdog story. This is not like we expected G2 to be the favorites and then they just bombed out the entire season. Like, no, we expected G2 to be the favorites and they like kicked ass for most of the regular season, you yeah. know? I, I mean, I Mad remember. Lions finished fourth in the regular season, right? Like, it was out of nowhere, pretty much. Yeah, and I remember when Reckless was announced, everyone was saying, like, this is the best team ever created in Europe. Why even watch LEC? And then yeah. Mad wins, <laughs> and Rogue comes second. It's like, what? I mean, maybe they'll do really yeah. well at Worlds, and I hope they do. I hope G2 definitely bounce back, but they weren't as strong as anyone expected. Uh, I wonder if that's because Rogue and Mad Lions are just stronger or G2 just look weaker. It's a very long discussion, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I remember at the start of the split, people were losing their minds from this change of Reckless to G2. Yeah. And you know I what? Mean, I was amongst them. Yeah, no. Yeah, same. I mean, literally, everyone was saying, why watch LEC? It's a foregone conclusion. But I, I, I'm I, very curious. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on this. But I I wonder what people's like expectations, like preseason predictions are going to be for next split. Like... Do do people still default to G2? Is it automatically Mad Lions because they won? Are the people that think that Rogue, you know, should have won, you know, they just need to change some things in that game five and they end up winning that series? Like, it, it does feel like for the last two years, everyone has been like, oh, we we know how the, the league is going to go. But now it's it seems like wide open and you could make a very strong case for like three different teams to take it all. Yeah, I think. Let's talk a little bit about looking forward then, because I think that Worlds obviously around the corner. You got quad seeds for both of for both the LCK and oh, the LPL. Don't remind me. It's rough. Rip so LCK. this is a, this is preliminary expectations. Who who are we who are we sending to get absolutely eviscerated by the four best teams in the world, which will probably all come out of China? Oh no. Uh, I think it would be the top three from this split. I don't think there's going to be that many diff differences next split unless Fnatic are like a big shocker with their new changes I think it's going to be a G2 mad rogue I'd expect I don't know in what order that's the weird thing that stands out to me I don't know which order they'll be in uh, I don't think mad I don't know I have to see maybe mad lines won't win summer but I don't know if rogue can do it either or G2 what might come back I have no idea look I think G2 rogue mad lions all going to be great options but my god I hope we see upset and hill get to lane against ghost and barrel like that's just 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Okay, yeah. Oh, no. But we were talking about China, but yeah, just for personal reasons, let's just take them you know, out quickly. You know the the dog sniffing the cupcake gif with like the horrible flashbacks? That to me is like it's like flashbacks to the OPGG pages of all these players, flashback to the interviews of like how much they hated EUS solo queue when they're getting hex flashed on by Hillisang at level one. Like uh Yeah. Hill Hillisang just hits different. You know what I mean? Like, oh he really does. I love it. <laughs> yeah i i do think though from an eu fan perspective i just say that like i think worlds is going to be hard i think worlds is gonna be hard for any region that isn't isn't named the lpl because mm-hmm. there are four teams that i see that and you talked about this before Gadriel, um but you know there's there's a lot of teams essentially coming out of lpl that i think could win worlds when i look at the lck and i look at lck it's like damn one when i look at eu it's like all of us could do it but it's like it's an uphill battle. Like, do I believe that Rogue, G2, or Mad could win Worlds after what we've seen in this tournament? Yes. Does it mean having to beat at least one, if not more, LPL teams? Also, yes. Something that we have historically not been super good at. So, but, it. I don't want to say that's a foregone conclusion, but I'm, I'm definitely sweating a little bit when it comes to Worlds, and we're not even remotely close to Worlds yet. I, I have a question. So, in Worlds groups, there's four groups, right, normally? And in those four groups, you yeah. can't have one of the same region. So it has to be separated, right? Yeah. So yeah. we can already assume there's four LCK teams and four LPL teams. So there's two in each of these groups. Two of the teams are going to be an LCK and LPL team. Right? Yes. So every group's already the group of death. Assuming they make it out As, of plans. In, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because oh, oh, yeah, that was supposed to happen last year too with, you know, LEC. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. But yeah. But, so every group already has uh, every group already has one LPL and one SKL representative, um, and you'd expect. Oh my god! And Europe has three teams. Um, NA has three teams as well, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we can already safely assume that there's going to be an NA EU LCK LPL team in three of the groups. Don't forget PSG Talon and, and PSG yeah, Talon also, will be in there. Yep. The, and their second and maybe, seed. Yeah, yeah. I think that, to be fair though, that region is very, very top heavy. So we're mostly sweating over PSG sure. Town. Yeah, uh, and then if another team makes replays, props to them. But right now, just holistically, that's what we're looking at right now in a, in, a, in a world's group stage. You'd expect. Yeah. That's, also, wait. You say be... they're top heavy, but beyond gaming, the number two team has the best AD carry True. in the galaxy. <laughs> Doggo, the goodest boy. The goodest boy. You know his name before Doggo was Doge. Oh my god. No joke. It was D-O-G-E. Dude. That's incredible. Like, okay, so now just it, you can just take random names of top four LCK, LPL, uh, LEC, and uh, NA teams. Okay, I'll just do it randomly, okay? Team Liquid, Rogue, Gen G, uh, and Top Esports. That's already a group. That's not even the top Holy. three. Well, Rogue Holy. is and Liquid. That's but sick. Th- wow. Like how insane does that sound? Then you can do it again. Cloud9, G2, um, SKT, and FPX. That's a group as well. You know? Like, what the hell? That's going to be nuts. Don't, this like, is the like, worst. This... Do you That's... think we signed our own our own death warrant by not winning MSI? Like, did us losing MSI just, like, <laughs> condemn every Western region to death at <laughs> Worlds? See, oh I don't... I don't, I don't think so, necessarily. So, like, I'm, I'm very concerned about the LPL teams. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Mad Lions contested Dom 1. Dom 1... Yeah blasted the lck 
Mad yeah, Lions right. barely scraped here to MSI, like five games against. Like, I, I think that the top end of LEC, where in the past it's felt like it's G2 in a big gap, the top end is very packed in the LEC with the top mm-hmm. three teams now. Um, so I'm really not as concerned about the, the lower seeds, especially like three, four seeds from the LCK. And obviously a lot can change in the next couple months, but I. I don't think that just because every group will have an LCK and LPL team means that the knockout stage is just LCK and LPL. Like, we're going to get a couple teams out. Oh, yeah. I think that, that's a good be point. so exciting. You're right. I think that it's, it's, it is really important. And, I, and to just call out that LCK is also super, super top heavy. And I think that, oh, it's still hard, though. Because I, I think we're all looking in a world where four, four LPL teams get out. And mm-hmm. PSG Talent, depending on their group, is another very, very big contender to get out. And I mm-hmm. think they could beat a lot of the LCK teams. I think they could probably take out one of our teams, honestly, in a best of five. So, and that's not including any chance of, I'm just assuming NA are out, right? And that's not fair to NA, but that's just easier for me to do this equation. And NA could level up and start beating our teams. Like yeah. It's happened before, right? So it's like, EU versus LCK. And hey, that's been a good record for you. That we do have a good outside of Damon, we are really good at beating the LCK. Yeah. Dude, I, I just imagine this whole group region teams thing, and no matter what teams I slot in from the top four of each region, it just sounds stacked as hell. Yeah. And then PSG, of course, as well. Like or even another team that makes you play in. All right. Maybe DFM if shows up. If you're watching, this is another challenge for you. You have to tell us what three champions you'd remove from the meta um to make the meta more exciting for you and you need to tell us your favorite imaginary worlds group Dude, that's um, remember easy, can't it? have more Ooh. than one team not not for you guys here we'll, we'll get more chance but for you at home um favorite imagine actually maybe you guys can do it too favorite Are imaginary ready? worlds group yeah what's your what's yours okay so it's c9 with perks of course yeah. and g2 yeah uh-huh. and then it's fpx and that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Stacked is that group with storylines. No, oh you, you just did it. It's no, the best I'm not one. even going to try. That's, That's just the That's best it. group. The That's best the thing, best too, is like group. C9 and SKT oh just God. happen to high roll into each other's groups like every single time. Like, I think, I think the only worlds that they weren't like in the same group was 2019 when they were in the group with G2 and Damwon. Um, because like, I swear it was always like, it was always C9, SKT, and then the LMS rep were always just in the same group by chance. Imagine you had that C9 G2 group, right? And in another group, you had like Fnatic, RNG, Liquid, Ooh. and SKT as well, which is still different teams. Like, and then in another one, you have like TSM Rogue because of the storyline. And then you have, oh, no. uh, I don't know, you have like EDG as well in there. And then, uh, oh, I don't know, Lord, like Gen G or something. It's also like insane. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god yo put put genji and, and rng in the same group and get a little 2018 run back you know what i'm saying oh my god oh my guy okay so all i've learned from this is that we just need to speed run summer split and go straight to worlds because yeah. this is worlds at least is a sort of like regardless of how we felt about the format how we got through this tournament up until the best of fives like worlds is worlds is certainly, certainly uh, okay but there's a chance that I- one of the groups uh like there's three from eu and na right so there's a mm-hmm. chance that one of the groups has neither eu or na Right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a chance that only three of the groups will be like this. Yeah. But even then, if you have PSG in another group and then one of the emerging region teams, like that's still a great group. Obviously, it's less less crazy hype for us, but that's still a pretty stacked yeah, group. Like the fact that sure. PSG is more, yeah. more than I mean, likely Pentanet, not going to default to that Pentanet, group. we'll get to see them. <laughs> Pentanet, PSG, My boys. and then some LP, LPL and LCK teams. Damn. 
Did you see the, the 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 intro where it was like RNG was saying like, "Have you seen Pabu? He's a yeah. defender, the guy with the green hair." <laughs> yeah, he said he never misses his spears on Italy. Yeah, Yankos is just freaking out, you know. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no, <laughs> import Pabu, the new GC oh, jungler. <laughs> He's sweating. Oh, so- <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, last things before we we close out to the day, I want to hit quickly. As exciting as Worlds has been, as exciting as MSI has been, again, shout out to Mad Lions. Give those boys some love if you haven't uh, already. I want to talk a little bit about Summer LEC. And we've hit it a little already, but I want to talk specifically about roster rumors. So there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. All of it starting to feel pretty soft confirmed. Um, But tell me, gentlemen, what are you most, of all the roster rumors that could or could not come true, because technically none of them are 100% confirmed yet outside of... um, well, I'm just gonna say no. I'm 100 concerned yet because it's easier. Um, what are you? What are you? What are you looking forward to? What's the craziest thing to you? Fanatic, for sure. Fanatic. It's got to be fanatic, right? Yeah, it's got to be fanatic and vitality. Yeah. So if you're living under a rock, for context here, the rumor of fanatic is that Bwipo is swapping to jungle. And he's already changed his bio to say former Fnatic top laner. The, the rumor is that Bwipo is changing jungle. Again, none of this is confirmed. And that Adam has been picked up by the team. Adam from K-Corp, if you didn't watch. Very young top laner, notorious for his Darius. Very individually, mechanically talented. Um, exciting young prospect. is coming in to play top lane for Fnatic. Which means, if you're keeping up, well, where's Selfmade going? Why is it, what's happening with Selfmade? Selfmade is supposedly going to Vitality to play with Leader in the mid lane. Crown Shot, LeBrov still in the bot lane. And a new top laner whose name I've already forgotten. Um, he's also, he's a rookie. Former big top laner coming in. Um, uh, SLT. So, SLT. So essentially, just these two teams is like one of the biggest spring to summer off seasons we've ever had because keep in mind normally spring to summer is like maybe one roster change sometimes two sometimes three but more often than not teams don't change in spring to summer like very yeah. rarely there's significant changes spring to summer like this large too because i i think like the the really odd thing with this like especially losing self-made is that i think everyone would have sort of thought that after you lose reckless who is like obviously the franchise player for fanatic like Who's the who's the the guy that you're gonna sort of like rally around on that team? Oh, well, like Selfmade was like the upcoming like you know jungle prospect, like one mm-hmm. of if not like the best performing junglers in 2020 entirely. And then clearly, Spring Split did not go Fnatic's way, but to then just like abandon ship, send him away, say okay, maybe Bwipa has a better shot of playing jungle. Like that is an absolutely ludicrous swap. Like. In one sense, like you look at like the great lane swaps in like LEC and it's like, okay, Perks goes to bot lane. Oh, Perks is an insane player. He's going to bot lane because they need to bring in caps and everyone knows caps is insane. Mm, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just a fish in a pan. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Cable to the casting team. One of the greatest lane swaps in LEC history. I'll Mm -hmm, be honest. mm -hmm. Um, But but in this case, it's you're putting Whippo, great player into the jungle to bring in. A rookie like obviously adam just came off of winning eu masters but this is like a completely different mm. uh like type of swap and it's I, I don't know it feels like it's there's so many unknown variables here it's it's really hard to know what's going to happen uh and for context just to provide evidence as to why this roster rumor is so strong there's a solo queue account called chongus um and it was a top lane account which duoed five games in a row with hillisang and now it's maining jungle spamming it non-stop 
Bwipo even put a, a picture of his cat and put the word Chongas underneath it. Uh, <laughs> Fnatic put out a picture of Upset and Hillisang together and Bwipo was in the jungle seat in the gaming cha- gaming house. Mm-hmm. Their names were written from bottom to top in terms of role. Hillisang, Upset, Niski, and then it said Bwipo. <laughs> so there's a lot of things pointing towards this being the, the roster swap and Bwipo going to jungle means self-mates out, which means self-mates probably going to Vitality because he's going to bring leader with him. So I think the starting point is Bwipo and it looks like it's very likely. Yeah, which is... I, I don't know. Let us again. We're asking you for a lot this episode, dear fans at home. Let us know how you feel about the the off season because it's gonna. This is weird. This is the weirdest spring to summer. This is absolutely crazy. I am personally incredibly excited about this. This is gonna lead to some great storylines, some great narratives mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Self made versus Blippo. Let's look to that matchup. That would be crazy. Oh, That's the god. best matchup. Oh and, my god! If Self made <laughs> beats or Blippo beats Self made. Oh my god! Oh my god. I just the I, little TFT emote comes out like. Honestly, I just I I, I really wish because like Bupo doesn't seem like like a, a spiteful person or anything. He's always like bubbling, happy, you know. Especially if like invite him to the studio. But I just wish he was the type of player that had like a grudge against certain top laners, and that now he's playing jungle. He just when he's playing against I don't when he's playing against Wonder, he never leaves top lane. He just sets down the cab. He's like, I'm going to destroy this guy because he is jungler. Always came and ganged him. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that I would live for. If I was a top lane yeah, switching yeah, to jungle, he, he like runs top and he just like doesn't gank him, but he chunks bound and just goes bonk and he just does his bribo laugh because <laughs> yeah. he knows how he is in lane. He's like, <laughs> you know, because he knows or, how screwed he is. Hear me out. Makes it to the world stage, is going up against uh, Ning in the jungle. He locks in the Predator Gragas and he just runs down top lane every game. <laughs> With the white people the Blippo, playing. The Blippo anthem. True. Oh, man. Yeah. Blippo Gragas jungle with Predator. That is that is actually wide Blippo. Blippo. Wait, yeah. I remember seeing a Fnatic series of behind the scenes at Worlds one day where he was like doing Gragas impressions. He was like a body slam or something. So, uh, wow, happened, so this has been in the works for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It has. Been. <laughs> he it did has. come on Euphoria and be like, I think jungle is like overall the simplest role. He's like, because you always just okay. do the jungle thing. Oh, his, okay, point, his point was like to transfer from role to role. Like, because like regardless of the meta, like your camps and your respawn rates are like always the same. I think is what? basically what he was saying. Wait. That's like just not true, though. They're changing that again. <laughs> no, no, I know, I understand. But like the fact that your camps respawn, you need to clear the jungle this way. These are like your windows change slightly, but it's not like it's never oh, at the end of the I day. It's saying. always like the core of PVE remains the same, right? As opposed to like lane matchups and changing metas. Yeah, and I think um, was his point. But he was talking about jungle like it wasn't a big deal or it wasn't very complicated, and maybe that should have been our first hint. He's like, oh yeah, jungle, blah 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 blah. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. I mean, he's almost 700 LP right now in Challenger. Uh, most Chonguses. Uh, Chonguses. We believe to be Oh, Whippo. Chonguses, yeah. They right. believe to be Whippo with lots of Udyr games, <coughs> Rengar games, <coughs> uh, Morgana Viego. Um, so, Zach yeah, games, perhaps? He's grinding hard. Uh, no Zach games. Ooh, not yet. Um, Ooh. Not yet. Lots of Volibear games, though. Really high win rates on Volibear. Um, uh, as the famous man once said, Ram! all right those are your lec roster rumors um there's a lot happening there's more changes coming in but um, we'll leave it at that for now the last thing that i want to hit today before we wrap is the the most important not roster rumor but roster change in the offseason in my eyes and that is the lec losing premier color caster creative mind and writer christy ender frierson 
break us. Baby, you're Baby. leaving us, dude. It's been... I know that you didn't quite get your synchronized flights, but maybe we can talk about your synchronized flights. I, it's, this is a heartbreaker and I'm happy for you. And I think you've given context publicly, but maybe, maybe you can share with the euphoria audience, like where, where you're going, what you're doing. I want this to be like, I don't want this to be a funeral. I want yeah. this to be a wake, you know, like we're sad for you to go. And I'm, I'm really bummed to see you leave, but I also want to be like happy for you in the next things that are coming in. Yeah. Uh, so I have nothing confirmed to announce just yet um as far okay. as what i'm going to be doing next um but i am going to be moving back to la uh, i think my flight is on the third now which is a little sad because when i first came out here in uh in 2018 uh, for the summer split my flight to get here was june 2nd so that's what i booked my flight for was to be that perfect symmetry like you're talking about dracos and then the flight got canceled because corona and that's a thing so it's a little bit off <laughs> um but yeah i'm I, i'm really excited i, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for things that I can do, maybe like still around LEC, like I still plan on making some content around LEC, LCS, uh, Valorant, like I've mentioned as well. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally gone here. You're not going to be done with me just yet. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to uh, do a little bit of stuff with you guys still. Yeah, that I would be so. wonderful. You're if always you guys, welcome back. If you guys don't follow Ender on social media, follow Ender. Um, and uh, Overall, I'm like we cast a bang final. Mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping we'd get the run back on this tricast at some point. Maybe we will. Maybe internationally at some point, depending on where Ender ends up and what Ender's doing with his his career. Not to drag you back, you know, to us, but you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're keen, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to come off as like, uh, you know, like you know, too keen, too excited, too thirsty here. But you know, like you know, if you've got time and you're like interested, maybe we could, you know, like mess around and try cast a final again. Yeah, that's just good. <laughs> <laughs> Might sneak like around it. and cast a final. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think as as like final notes here um i'm bummed to see you go i think lec update is still one of my favorite pieces of content that you've ever like Same. spearheaded obviously and i think one of the best contents to come out of the uh, pieces of content to come out of the lec i think they might they might try to get us to do it more while you're gone but i think that it won't it won't be the same it won't be the same you know hmm. nothing will be the same nothing will be the same <laughs> it's actually it was so weird like uh because Saturday was my was my last cast, um, and then just like yeah. walking out, like they turned off all the lights in the studio, and just sat there for a second, took it all in. The studio surprisingly bland, like everything's just gray and black um, <laughs> when the lights aren't on. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't looking at anything beautiful, but it was uh, it was a nice little. It was, I think, yeah, I think we the, the, carried... the five games were a good series to end on, though. It's true. And also, I realized, speaking of symmetry, my first cast ever in uh, the EULCS back then was with Medic. And then that was my, my final cast as well. Bruh. There you go. Wow. There you go. Well, Destiny. Ender, sad to see you go. So happy that you were here for the journey. Also, thank you for joining us on this one final episode of Euphoria. I felt like a felt like a, a nice little thing to button it all off. Mm. The boys. Mm. The boys. The boys. <laughs> the boys. The final strike cast. Let's go. Our final strike cast. With um, our video that we made. Hell yes, bro. Hell yeah. More boom, more boom, boom, boom. Ender got me on TikTok. His long True. Long effortful. Yeah. It's been it's been I'll, a while. I'll, I'll be coming up on your for you page, you know? You're not gonna get away from me. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm I'm down. I'm ready. Um mostly because my TikTok is still horrible. <laughs> it's like it's such that's so bad. Um anyway, I'm a boomer. Yes, it's happening slowly but surely. Final notes here. 
this is a, this is the end of kind of the spring season, right? Spring into MSI. So if you've been watching Euphoria the entire time, thank you so much. This is the end of our MSI coverage. Um, if you want to check us out, we'll be back shortly before the summer split starts. That's starting on the 11th. Um, exciting stuff. Obviously, a lot of the Ross rumors that we speculated about today will be confirmed by then. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about. Maybe we can call in Ender too, but otherwise we wish Ender, wish you nothing but the best of luck, dude. Thank you for joining us on this final episode of Euphoria for MSI. And uh, yeah, thanks to all the listeners. This has been the last of our MSI coverage, and we'll see you guys back here for summer.